Today's unashamed alcoholic guest is Mia St. John, a five-time world boxing champion and the ex-wife of the late Christophe St. John. Mia had 30 years of sobriety until a relapse. I wanted to talk to Mia about the difference between getting sober now and then, facing grief and sobriety, and what it's been like in recovery during the pandemic. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Mia. So Mia, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so happy to meet you. Kind of been seeing each other on online a little bit here and there. And your, yeah. your story is um, inspiring and heartbreaking. And just, I think, really a story that a lot of people should should hear about. Um, I think, you know, if you go back and you look at your, you had 30 years of sobriety and yeah. you had a relapse. Can you tell me, can you tell me about that? Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, it's it's something that I, I never thought would happen. You know, after 30 years of sobriety, you begin to question whether you're even an alcoholic, you know, because everything that you went through, um, you kind of forget as the years go by, you know, right. did I really do that? You know, right. um, and after the death of my son, um, I, I became suicidal and, but I knew that if I started drinking again, I, I would have, I, my life would have been over and I would have mm -hmm. left my daughter without a mother. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't, I, I, I refused to drink. And, but then it was after, then after the death of his father mm -hmm. that I just lost it. I ended mm -hmm. up, on a 5150, um, broke my sobriety. Um, I was 5150 twice. Wow. Um, and that was just the end of it. And, and I relapsed even harder than I ever was before I became a bigger alcoholic than I ever was. Wow. And, um, yeah. And, and the road to recovery is, is it's, I always say it's long and it's crooked. Mm -hmm. It's never just a straight path to sobriety. It's kind of like, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's a difficult, difficult road and it's humbling to come yeah. back to, to meetings yeah. and raise my hand as a newcomer. Right. I think it humanizes you, right? Like you, like you said, you know, you go so long, you're kind of like this sobriety seniority. You think you're in the, some sort of safe zone, right? That it's just, right. you know, it's, scary. I was called, I was called an old timer. Like yeah. oh, man, yeah. one of our old timers. Yeah. Now, I'm a, now I'm a new newcomer. <laughs> yeah. But I think it shows, it sets the example. Like you said, so, someone had asked me a while ago, if you have so I think they said 20 or 30 years of sobriety. Are you still an alcoholic? And I said, I'll always be an alcoholic because, you know, it, it won't go away. It'll never, you know, that, that sort of that, that addictive quality of whatever it has a disease. It won't, it doesn't yeah. just heal itself. It won't go away. I think, you know, you, your story has, um, the element of grief in it too. And to, to get through something like that, I think a lot of people, that's scary. It's scary for me because it's something I haven't had to deal with in sobriety. So I think that's, it's one of those questions like, can, will I be able to get through that type of grief sober? And I think that's, that's, you know, it's, it's scary. It's very scary. Right. 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 I mean, it, you know, uh, the good thing that I could say is that 
you know, I was able to raise my kids sober. I was able to graduate college, win five world titles. Um, and all because of, of sobriety, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it was such a gift. Mm -hmm. It it gave me the life that I'd always dreamed of. Um, so I, I still have that to, to look forward to that. There's so know what it more. can be. That's the thing. Exactly. You know what it, there is. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. I know the rewards. Yeah. So. Yeah. What did you, what would you say is the, you know, in the difference between now and those first, you know, the, the, the first few years of your, you know, your 30 years, was there, do you find there's a difference in sobriety now? It's 10 times harder. Really? <laughs> 10 times harder. Like I, either that or I forgot, but I just (laughs) honestly don't remember struggling like this. Mm -hmm. And my therapist said, well, you weren't struggling with the, the death of your child and, and his father. Yeah. You didn't have that to deal with. Mm -hmm. So she said, that's probably why it feels so much harder now Mm -hmm. because, you know, I, I got first sober when I was 21. So mm-hmm. I was dealing with other things, you know, like uh, struggling with schoolwork, you know, mm-hmm. college yeah. and, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, first love and like, you know, stupid little things like that. Like, yeah. so it wasn't like I was struggling with major life trauma. Right. Exactly. So do you count, um, do you do, do, do days? Do you do years? Like how do you measure your sobriety now? Well, I, because I practically grew up in AA, um, you know, I, I tend to count days, Hmm. but now because it's been such a crooked road, um, I just don't count anymore. And I just look Mm. for progress Mm. rather than perfection Mm -hmm. Um, and not put the pressure on myself. Right. You know, I still go to meetings. Um, In fact, I'm leaving for one in in a few minutes. So um, uh, yeah, I still, I'm still very much a part of AA. Right. There's certain things that like, um, I won't do anymore. Although, I mean, like the steps are always like a part of my life. They always have been, always will be. Mm-hmm. So those How are you, things that will never change. You talk about meetings and you know, we're still in the midst of a pandemic. All my meetings went online. So it's coming, you know, March will be a, ye- a year of virtual meetings. How has that affected you? Like, how do you, I mean, I've seen sort of, you've, you've said you've been a proponent of having back, you know, go back to the in-person meetings. So I'm, I'm curious of how you've, you've found that. It, oh my God, it's been so hard. I mean, I relapsed so many times during the pandemic. Mm. You know, I would, I would sit on Zoom and and drink, turn the video off, and, and start drinking. Really? You know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so I can't really do Zoom anymore. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of underground meetings. Oh, really? That, yeah, that a lot of us are privy to. A okay. lot of you know, the AA circle. Yeah. So I. I go to in-person meetings. Most of them are underground. Hmm. Um, Some are in parks where it's open and safe. Um, 
but yeah, a lot of the ones I go to are in person, are indoors and, and are just not um, available to the public. Okay. Interesting. Just for fear of getting caught. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's been, it's been a huge shift and I, you know, you think about the newcomer in this type of situation where you don't have that interaction. Like you want to go to your first meeting and for all of us, like it's, you know, we know these people, right. For for the most part, we've seen them, but for, I can't imagine trying to join in on a virtual call. If you've never seen any of these faces before it must, you know, it's a completely different dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. It's so impersonal and Mm -hmm. as addicts, we look forward to fellowship, you know, where we all go out and eat afterwards or have coffee and we keep each other company and we, we don't have that because there's like no restaurants that are open and (laughs) yeah, you know, it's all just, it's totally different. What made your, your, so as I said, you, you, you know, you've talked about this online, there's, there's lots of interviews where, you know, you're very open about, um, the, the relapse too. What made you decide to publicly speak about this? Have you always, you know, through your thir- the 30 years, were you always publicly talking about this? What made no. you decide to do that? No, I was very quiet about my sobriety during my, during my 30 years. Um, and I always said that if I relapsed, like I would never go back to AA. I would mm-hmm. never start over. And I okay. kind of forced myself to be public about it and forced myself to stand up and take a newcomer chip because I felt that the more I hid it, um, because I wanted to hide it because I didn't want the pressure of, uh, I didn't want anyone to know. I wanted to continue my drinking Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. not have anyone question me. I didn't want my friends to question me, I wanted to just drink peacefully and mm-hmm. private, leave me alone. Yeah. So I purposely put myself out there knowing that to drink would be even harder because now everyone knows. Right. Yeah. You're accountable. You're putting your, you know, you're, you're making, yeah. you know, I can't just really go to dinner with my friends and order a drink because now they'll all look at me like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, yeah. no, put that down, you know? Um, and that's what I didn't want. But I knew that I had to do that because, like you said, I had to make myself accountable. Yeah, yeah. For my action. When you look at the reaction you get every time you put something about that online, I mean, the support is phenomenal. You get so much, you know, the feedback of people. You know, you yeah. go through the comments, um, uh, you know, and people are just like, you know, they go me too, and I'm on day this, and you know, and it's yeah. it's so it must be so nice to see that. You, you know, the, you're, it encourages other people too. Yeah. I mean, that's the part that I love about it is that I get so much support and mm-hmm. so much encouragement. And again, there's the, but then there's the other side of me that says, shit, like, why did I tell everybody? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's no now, hiding. I can't even post a photo. Like if I'm at dinner with someone who is drinking, like, I have to be careful posting photos because people will comment and say, why is there a glass <laughs> of wine? Under your table? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I, now I have to be like extra cautious, like yeah. anything I post, like I got to scan it and make sure like. <laughs> <laughs> Did you feel that in, in you, when you know, going through your career and you said you got sober when you're 21 was part of not talking about it because of, you know, what you were, you're going to, you're through in your career and there was a stigma attached to it. Did you feel like there was, you know, you couldn't talk about having an addiction or, you know, being in recovery. 
I think, um, yeah, that had a lot to do with it. Like, you know, I was a professional athlete mm -hmm. and I, I didn't want to have to explain myself because after every fight, like, you know, we had the HBO parties and, and the Showtime parties and pay-per-view and all the fighters would go and, and all the celebrities would be there and, and drinking and partying. And I didn't want to have to explain why I never went to the parties. I always went back to my hotel room with my family and mm -hmm. ate dinner and went to bed. Um, and I did that through my entire career. And I didn't really want to explain why um, I didn't party. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't want to have to explain myself. And I didn't feel the need for it. I was so focused on my career. Mm -hmm. um, I just didn't feel the need to have to explain myself. My fighting was my, was my priority. And that's what I was focused on. And... Do you think there would have been a stereo, like some sort of stereotype or misconception if you had said, like being an athlete and being in recovery, like there would have been you know, more of a liability or that you were more of a risk or, or something like that? Um, I don't think I would have been seen as a risk because my behavior was so um, dedicated. All right. Um, and for fighters to, to be alcoholics or drug addicts like it's not uncommon like a lot of them are practicing mm -hmm. right you know they, they just sober up to go into training um so I don't think there would have been that much of a stigma I mm -hmm. I think I was just so focused mm -hmm. on my career and I just didn't have the need to talk about it or the the interest because right. I was so focused right well that's that's great and just but now that I'm retired you know, I, I can focus more on, on these issues. Right. And I, you know, I think that's great because you're, you're vocal about it and you know, you should, you share that, like you said, it's not, it's not a straight road and there can be these, you know, these things along the way that sort of set you back, but you, you come back, like you come back fighting again, right? Like, I know it's a, it's a funny way to say that, but that's, that's very true. And the way you're sharing it so publicly, I think it's just, there's no way around it. It's beneficial to people and, and hopefully to you too, to, to, to share it like that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, um, I think that's why, like, I, I just finished my second book that comes out in the spring. Um, and I, I think I did that because, well, at first when my agent approached me about it, um, I said, no, I'm just, I'm not ready to write that, that story yet. Cause there's no ending yet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but I did it anyway. Um, and that's why I said like the road is, is long and it's crooked and, uh, it, it was okay to write it without an ending. Mm -hmm. Like the, the road continues, the, the journey continues, mm -hmm. you know? And so, and again, that humanizes you, right? Like it's, it's not, you don't just, you know, no one just like gets to do this and, you know, you walk away at a certain right. check mark, right? It's a, it's a, it's a, I think you really, your story really shows that it's a, it's a forever work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. A work in progress. Yeah, yeah. for sure.
Well, one one last question before we go. Um, okay. I'm always interested in people's relationship with the the language and the terms. So whether they say I'm sober, or I'm I'm an alcoholic, or I don't drink. You know, what's because it kind of says a lot in, in the choices around why people choose to to share a certain way or not. Like, is, do you have a specific language that you tend to gravitate towards? Uh, you know, maybe more so when you're sharing publicly. Yeah, I mean, I because I, you know, I started going to AA when I was 12 years old. So I, I, I gravitate towards that language. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm sober, I'm a recovering addict, alcoholic. I mean, um, so yeah, I, I tend to use that language, even though I'm like trying to uh, avoid using so much of it mm-hmm. um, because we tend to do that as alcoholics, like one day at a time, or you know, like we're always <laughs> yeah. using these, like uh, all those sayings, all the sayings, you know, <laughs> and and then everybody knows, like you know, that you're an AA. But so I try sure. not to, but yeah, I tend to do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would think that's a, you know, you, again, like your story has so many different elements to it and you've gone through just these, these mountains, these hurdles. And you know, what's you're showing is that you're, you're back and you're trying, you're still trying. I think that's, that's the message, right. Is that you keep going, you, you pick yourself up and you keep going. So yeah, I I, I think that as long as like, I don't give up and, Mm -hmm. um, and I don't, uh, live in denial. Right. You know, like I'm very well aware of, uh, my alcoholism, mm-hmm. you know, there's never denying it. I'm very, you know, self-aware. Mm-hmm. And, and so I try to, I, I try to just remind myself of that because, you know, we play tricks uh, on our ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. well, I'm not that bad, you know, <laughs> yeah. or, you know, yeah. it, you know, so yeah, I, I did that for years. Very- you know, I'd compare, read, read other books written by other alcoholics and compare for years. Be like, well, I didn't black out. So I'm not an alcoholic. Yes. <laughs> I'm reading one right now about a woman who's a very successful writer and she's telling her stories and I'm doing that like one chapter at a time I'm sitting there going well I didn't do that okay so (laughs) I'm not as bad yeah and I found the the mommy drinks wine culture is another thing where I'm like oh that rash that helped me rationalize it for a long time it's like well every I'm it's a you know every mother has has to drink so it's okay you know it's these excuses and that's where you go into danger but I think you have you have so many tools because like you've been in the you know recovery in a program for so long you have you know, things that you can sort of pull out and, and use and, you know, you, like, it's just a continuous learning process. And I think yeah. that's, you know, it's some, it's a good reminder for all of us who are like, you know, you, you just can't take it for granted. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much, Mia. It was thank so nice you. to meet you. Mia is so right when she says that sobriety isn't a straight line. Her story is one of much pain, but also much inspiration. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Mm-hmm.